0: 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and uh, we'll get started this morning if you will. If you won't, we're still going to get started, so we'll uh, do it either way. We're, uh, we, we're down to verse number 30 and 31, and as our tendency is, we're going to park here for the next few weeks, because um, I don't want to just run through this these verses and what's here doctrinally. Um, But let's start reading in verse 26 to get the context as we uh, look here at verse 30 and 31. Verse 26, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world, and things which are despised, which God chosen, I'm sorry, hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord. So we went down through verse 26, 27, 28, 29 last time and what the Apostle Paul is doing here as he's addressing the issue of what's happening at Corinth, uh, valuing and moving toward human wisdom, moving away from godly truth, God's word, God's wisdom, God's thinking, and so forth, and moving toward um, human wisdom. And again, at Corinth, Greece, the culture, human wisdom, philosophy, tradition, very prominent, very important, and as they are moving and doing that, and again, uh, as it is at Corinth, so is it today in the body of Christ. So none of this is new. Actually, it's very, it shouldn't shock you at all that the church today at large is a Corinthian church, just as when we get over into the book of Galatians, the church at large today is a Galatian church. Uh, you've got the corinthians you've got the galatians great pictures of what's happened in the church as a whole and yet here paul is dealing with it and 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 like we talked last time for you see your calling brethren and then he talks there about not many wise after the flesh not many mighty not many noble those three categories there are called the called here has nothing to do with salvation it has nothing to do with justification unto eternal life. Let's be very specific about salvation, okay? Um, that word salvation carries three different meanings to it, a past, present, and future. And justification is the past issue of salvation, justified unto eternal life. These folks at Corinth are already saved. They're not getting saved. He didn't call them to be saved. This These three... The wise, the mighty, the noble are not a an attack on the people there at Corinth. It's the categories that they're falling into. The wise, the educated, the Greeks, we've already seen the Jew and the Greek, the scribe and the wise, the the, the, the mighty. There's the power players, the the movers and shakers, the guys who work in the folks who work in the upper echelons of of, of society, and then you've got the noble, and there's the, 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 the ladder climbers, the guys climbing up and having the status and everything, and as they move up and so forth, that's what they're looking for, and what Paul's goal is, is really verse 29, no flesh should glory in his presence. How God is operating is in complete, total opposite of how humanity thinks, human wisdom, human intellect, human rationale, human reasoning. So Paul says, look, what God's done, in verse 27, he's chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things that are despised hath God chosen. What did God choose to do? He chose Calvary. What is the world's, What is the world's opinion of Calvary? It's foolish, it's a weak thing, it's a base thing. It's a despised thing. It's not anything to be glorying in. And Paul says what God chose was he chose the things which are not. Doesn't say they don't exist. He just says they're not. To, to bring to naught the things that are. What does the world see? They see the wise, the noble, and the mighty. They see the Jew, the Greek, they see, they see human wisdom, human intellect, human reasoning. God chose the things that are of faith. That walk of faith, the things not seen, he chose that to be where he's operating, where he's revealing himself. We looked over in in, uh, chapter 2, there, verse 9, but as it is written, eye hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath Prepared for them that love him, and so we have. He adds to it. He Paul's going to amplify it in, in, in chapter two, where the ear gate, the eye gate, the heart gate, all of human wisdom, the way that they look at the cross is as foolish, as weak, as base, as despised. And Paul says, that's what God chose to do. What confound everything, make it look look around and they they see. When we preach Christ, by the way, chapter 1, verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But us, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. And again, the Corinthians are saved people. They've just gravitated toward human wisdom, human thinking, human intellect, human wrath. And Paul's like, you can't do that. The reason you guys at Corinth... The reason you guys are in such dismay, such chaos, such a mess morally is because you're trying to understand the things that God has prepared for them that love him. You're trying to find out God. You're trying to reach God through human intellect, and that will not work. It doesn't work because God has chosen to reveal himself through his word and his spirit and things that when the world looks at it, they go, that's a little kooky. You know, you, it's interesting to me, and we were talking about this, some, I was someone, I, I don't remember who, I talked to a lot of people this past week, unfortunately, <laughs> so if I was talking to you and I don't remember, just don't feel bad, okay, we were talking about how sometimes we use terminology that is not Pauline, okay, how does the Lord work in your life today? He works through the word. He doesn't work in your circumstances. So sometimes you'll hear people who know better say, well, God's working in this. It's like, okay, well, then maybe the question is, is what do you mean by that? It, are you talking about the word working in me as, as we go through it, or are you talking about God intervening and move Because he doesn't do that, see. What's happened at Corinth is, is they've grabbed on to what does religion say? Religion says he's working in the situation, and everything was approved and preordained before the world began, and the fact that you lost your job is God telling you don't go. So, now, we were talking about this yesterday. Uh, Phil and I were, think about this. God's word says that if you don't work, you don't eat. So what, what would God want you to have? But he just caused you to lose your job? Oh well, wait a minute, He has a better job for you, Really? <laughs> then why didn't he put you in the better job to begin with? You see, so when you I know we chuckle, but you all fall into that trap because it becomes second nature to talk like your religious background, your, that, you the know, where you came out of. Again, it's, I'm not you, <laughs> I learned a long time ago to ask people, what do you mean by that? rather than jump on them with all four feet. <laughs> because sometimes they're, they're, it's just that old way of talking comes up. So you have to work down through that. My point is, is what, that's what Paul's doing. You guys are saved. You guys have gone back into your old way of thinking here, trying to get to God, trying to gain approval of God, trying to, trying to get somewhere that God has already given you in his son. When the world looks at you and I, when the world hears you say that God works today through his word, what do, they look, what do they look, they think you're foolish, you're a fool. But if they hear you say God's working through his spirit in the situation, they still think you're a nutcase, because it doesn't jive with, and that's religion, by the way. See, the world, you believe in a mythical God who wrote a book some 2,000 or better years ago by, who knows, by man. And so now you believe in a mythical God and a mythical book that's nothing but myth and fantasy and 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 a bunch of hoodly do a bunch of nonsense. And then you believe that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. And if you believe that, you get to go to heaven and nobody else does. See, it sound, to in the world's thinking, it's what? Foolishness. But to you and I, what is it? It's the power of God, see. Paul's point here is that the the reason your life gets such a mess, and I'm talking about you guys today, Corinth, me, is because we start trying to answer the problems of life through human philosophy, human thought, human tradition, human religion, human I got to feel good, because as long as I'm feeling good about it, then it's good to go. No, that's not how God works today. That's what's happening here. That's why verse, chapter 2, verse 9, he says the way that that verse ends, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us, how? By his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. So if I want to know the things that God had prepared for them, you know what i got to stay out of? Human thought, human processing, human religion. i got to stay out of that. Where do I go? I go over here where the Spirit of God is. And, oh, by the way, where does the Spirit of God work? Verse 13. For which things also we speak not in the words, which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Where does the Word of God? Where does the Spirit of God work? I just told you. He works in the Word of God. You know that by the way, from Genesis chapter number one. This verse two, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. Verse three, and God said, See, the Spirit moves when God speaks. That's the, by, that's the work product of the Holy Spirit. That's His role. God speaks, boom, He goes and does it. See, But when you and I, when your life turns upside down, it's because you're failing to operate according to the Word of God rightly divided. It's that simple. It, you don't need any of the modern day self-help nonsense. You don't need it. You just need to recognize this is how God is working. And that's why Corinthians sits where it sits. It's corrective doctrine on bad behavior. The bad behavior doesn't mean you're out committing murder, rape, and all that stuff. Bad behavior means you're not operating the way God's word had intended you to operate. Therefore, in life, now we have trouble. They're trying to figure God out by using human wisdom. And what Paul's point in all of this is you will never discover God that way. But you will think you did, but never in the richnesses because of verse 30 and 31. See. Now, again, he's going to develop this out here. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say it over and over again. The Corinthians are saved people. They are saints. But look, you're in chapter 1, look back up there. Verse 2. To them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, again, past tense, it's a done deal, it is the power of God. Verse 21, for after that in the wisdom of God, the word by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You go over there to chapter 15, and it's saved it's pat- these are saved people, yet they've begun to move away from God's truth, from God's word, rightly divided, and now they're going after, they're valuing, they're promoting human wisdom and human viewpoint. So Paul spends these first four chapters nailing this, because this is the fundamental reason why there's trouble in the church here at Corinth the moder- and even today. It's because what are we after? Well, I read a book, and I think it means this. whoop de doo Who cares what you think? What's the Word of God say? You know? Well, I think, you know, I don't, it doesn't I think. I th- no, it's what, here's what God's Word says. So Paul here, again, he's dealing with this. Now, if you look at chapter 2, just real quick here, verse 1. You see the and Chapter 1 and 2 are going to link together, but I want you to notice something. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Paul didn't come down there trying to get you to understand who God is by giving you Dr. Phil, Dr. whoever, blah, blah, blah. You know, There's a poster that's got a lighthouse on it that's just beautiful. And then the goofball inspirational words mess it up. If I could get that picture without all that, you know, you got courage, you can make it, nonsense off, then it would, be a, it would hang on the wall here somewhere because it's a beautiful picture. You know, Paul didn't come in there with all that. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, that's a rebuke. That is not a good thing. That means the Corinthians never got out of Romans one to five. They've never moved forward in their edification. They stopped. They're like, hey, we're good to go, man. We're saved. We're in. We're never going to go. We're not. We have eternal security. Chapter five. So let's just go live. Let's go find God out here in our own way. And what does Paul say? Romans six. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. No, it's time to grow up. It's time to learn some things here. You see, they never got out. The cross is, they've only got to Calvary, and Paul wants to take them further. And the preaching of the cross, the opposition to that is because the cross excludes for all of eternity, once and for all, your participation, your activity. You have nothing to do, and I told you last time that walk of faith when we were back up there about the things that are not, and that we were looking at that back in chapter 1, verse 28, and that faith is the only thing you can do without doing anything, Newell said. And he's right. Believe, trust, commit to it. You see, Paul, only, I can only come down there. I can't move you guys forward, nor will I violate the work the working the ministry of the holy spirit by by force feeding you information that's why he says verse 6 howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect mature he goes you're not mature i can't take you into verse 7 the hidden wisdom of god i can't take you where you need to go and that's literally what he's doing in verse 30 Paul, he can only get them to one point. The The cross is everything to the believer. It's the foundation. Yet the Corinthians aren't operating properly on that foundation. They're justified. They're good to go, but they're not moving forward. They're not continuing to grow. They're stuck. So, verse 30, chapter 1, verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Now, we're going to spend some time in these two verses, actually four weeks. Today's wisdom, next week will be what? Can you see? Righteousness. What's after that? Sanctification. And, that, and the reason is, is because this is what our, we're called to. Remember we taught last, uh, this is our calling. We're not living a life to try to make ourselves into something. We're not living a life to try to make ourselves everything. You can't make yourself better to God than you already are in Christ. If you're blessed with all spiritual blessings and you're complete in Christ, Ephesians 1, Colossians 2, what better, you can't get it any better but what does human, human thought, human, reason, human religion say? Oh, yeah, you can. The preaching of the cross says, no, you can't. And that's why it's offensive. Now, notice verse 30. Who's making who, what? <laughs> who, 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 what? No, what's on first? No, who's on first? No, you know, you get... But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God, that's the Father, Is made unto us wisdom. God the Father is gonna make the Son something, and then because we're in the Son, He's gonna make us the same thing. Now, again, religion says what? You make yourself something to God. The Word of God says no. The power of the cross, the power of the preaching of the cross, It has nothing to do with you or your activity. Rather, that power of God, I mean, everybody wants to have the power of God, the end of verse 18, and they're always looking for that external thing. You see, if God loved me, then he would have given me the Powerball winning ticket so I would be a billionaire this morning. Well, I was six numbers off, so maybe he doesn't love me right? So the preacher gets behind the pulpit and says, well, if you'd have given that $20 to here, you'd have $200, do not you know? But if it's all, you, I think you, 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 you. And that, no, God's word says, no, the preaching, the power is in the cross, and it has nothing to do with you or your activity. Rather, it has everything to do with what God said the Father has said he's making you and I in his Son because he made his Son that first. And if you're in Christ, then guess what you're in? That too. And that's where understanding Romans 6, 7, and 8, your identity, is so critical here. This is why Rome, or the Corinthians have not moved forward. They don't understand who they are in Christ. That's why for 20 some odd years now, every every other week out of my mouth is understanding who you are in Christ because when you understand that and you embrace it and then you go live it, all of that other stupidity out there goes away. Stops. So take the self-help books to the second-hand bookstore and sell them. Because... I know who I am in Christ. I don't, I have it right here. That's really what Paul's nailing this down to. He's nailing it down to, listen, you guys, the reason you're in a mess down there, and the reason your life is all screwed up, and the reason the church is in a mess, and the reason things aren't clicking the way, you you ever get along and everything's going along, and you think everything's moving along, and somebody goes, hey, by the way, did you know, you know, you left a mess back there? Huh, what, what? Well, there's a it's because you're not thinking the way God would have you to think. What God has done is he's made us he's made us very incompatible with the world and the system about us. And in Corinthians here, what we're learning is that corrective doctrine on how to get us back into the right mindset and the right thinking pattern and the right And that's really what verse 30 and 31 here is going to be all about. Verse 30, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us. So God the Father has made Christ Jesus unto us, wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth let him glory in the Lord. This is our calling. Your calling isn't to win 50,000 people to Christ. I'll be honest with you, you, your calling isn't that you talk to anybody about Christ. That's an outflow of an inward working. Is it needed? Yes, of course. Paul tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. So yeah, but that's not your calling. See, we have this religious idea of calling, you know. I always remember the story Dad told about the old, the 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 young preacher guy out in, down in Alabama in the cornfields, and he's out plowing, and he sees up in the sky in the clouds, it's he says it says G P C. In the clouds, so he quits, goes down to the church, starts preaching. The old elder or the old deacon looks at him and says, "Hey, w- w- what was your calling all about?" And he goes, "Well, I was out there." You know, working in the field and I looked up and God wrote in the sky GPC. So I took that to go preach Christ. So here I am. And the old guy looks at him and says, Do you think that you think it really should have said go plow corn? In other words, you ain't very good, buddy. You know, maybe you ought to think, rethink this, you know. But that's how we think about this. Is no, this isn't you. You your calling is what? I'm declared righteous before God the Father. Because of who? of who, Because of who I am in Christ. Not because I earned it. Not because I read more Bible verses than you. Not because I witnessed over here. Not because my kids are perfect. By the way, your kids are not perfect, just in case nobody ever told you that. So don't. Ever promote them to be perfect because you put them on a pedestal that when they fall off of, they're devastated. Okay, now I know some think they are. I get it, but I'm, I had a guy tell me my my twins were they were in a bait, they were in uh, uh, strollers, little guys. He comes by, he goes, you know those two are savages, right? I go, oh yeah, I do. <laughs> I know they are. And Emily wasn't quite away from mom yet, and she was born. But she, and I and I go, yeah. And I got a third one coming, and she's gonna be worse than the other two. And she says, yeah, yeah. Why? Because that's that's who they are. But we get this idea, and we, no, our calling. Come back to chapter one, there, verse nine. Our calling is who we are, who God has made unto us, Christ. Who, is, who are we in Christ? Chapter 1, verse 9. God is faithful, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I, I love, you, you got to think about that. God is faithful. Think, it's his faithfulness, not yours. Do you know where your faithfulness is? Whatever you feel like in the moment. Honestly. Well, Rick, I'm faithful. No, you're not. You know why? Because I can call you tomorrow morning at the same time and you'll be so mad at something. That's not faithful. That's anger, wrath, malice. Say, your faithfulness wanes. God is faithful. We fall short of that. But God, he's, He's holy, He's perfect. He's righteous. And you know what he said? His justice says, you have to have perfect righteousness. By the way, you don't. Who does? He made unto him our righteousness. So now it's over here in Christ. But wait a minute, I'm in Christ, the doctrines of identity. Then guess what I am? I am righteous. See. But how did I get there? Because God is faithful. The issue is God's faithfulness towards you. He's the one who provides an eternal answer to our unfaithfulness. Oh, but Rick, I'm faithful. I study. No, you don't. I call liar, liar, pants on fire. Why? I study, and I know what it is to study. And your little 20-minute, 30-minute ditty every other day or whatever It's study, I get that, but it's not what we're talking, it's you have taken that and promoted you, and it's not about you, and that's Paul's point here. Paul's point in all this is you're not the issue, the issue is God's faithfulness to you, and what the preaching of the cross, all that God has done on your behalf for free. You you guys know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? You sure? Because you ought to pay attention to that verse. Because what we do is we read this verse in an effort for evangelism. It's not written in an evangelistic chapter. It's not even written in that context. The context is, is for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. That context is in verse 6 and 7. What you're going to be doing in the heavenly places out there is because what? It's not of you. It's of what? It's the gift of God. It's what he's doing. See? Not of works lest any man should boast. There's our 1 Corinthians one thirty-one. No glorying in the flesh. Or verse 29, I'm sorry. Then verse 10, he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And everybody goes, oh, what's that? In the context, it's about the stuff we're doing in the heavenly places. You can see I'm a little fired up. I don't, okay, I'm not mad at anybody. It just this stuff chaps my hide sometimes because we get, oh, for 289. I, I know what it says, and it's okay to use it that way. But in the context, it is not talking about that. It's talking about our positions in the heavenly places and what we're going to be doing. And the fact is, is that you are there because it's a free gift and it's his grace. That's what Paul's, after, come back to chapter 1, that's what the, the Father, he is faithful. What's he f- faithful? By whom ye were, ye were, ye, the church, ye, the Corinthians, there, ye, the church we're called unto the fellowship. Fellows in a ship, we share some things common here with Christ. And that's what verse 30 is going to get into. Who of God has made unto us wisdom? You see, the Father's doing some things through His Son for us on our behalf, and that there's, a, there's then an equality that we're going to share with Christ. And this is very critical to see. And to catch, because what it does is it's not about you. Again, the mess in your life, the mess in your, uh, is because you're focused on you, not on who you are in Him. (laughs) What was me? Grow up. Now I know in the moment it's it's traumatic. I get that, and I will listen with the sympathetic ear, and even though right now I'm not very sympathetic. But Paul is not sympathetic here. And that's why I'm trying, that's why I'm trying to get that across here. Paul, literally, Paul wants to reach down, actually does it in chapter two. In 2 Corinthians 2, he says, if I come down there, I'm coming down there as a father with a disobedient child. Why? Because you're disobedient. And what does a dad with a disobedient child do? There's discipline. And I didn't want to do that, so I wrote a letter, and the letter fixed you. Why? Because you're out of line. You're wrong. You're disobedient. Because you're following human wisdom. Human religion. Human Self interest and not what God's word says. So, verse 30. Again, what a glorious verse here to look at and to consider. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus. That's the fellowship. That's the commonality. That's we're joint heirs with Christ, he says in Romans 8. There's that You want to have fellowship with Christ, get out of yourself, get over here where he's and do what he's doing. By the way, that will mean that you need to change some things going on in your life. That's what Paul's trying to get the Corinthians to do. That's what you and I have to take stock in. I love the who, who of God. You see, this is His grace. This is His glorious purpose that He's revealing now through the Apostle Paul about what He's doing in His Son. His glorious purpose in and through His Son. By the way, it's available unto who? Unto all. It's imputed to them that believe. He's done it for us. And because of his son's faithfulness to go to Calvary and to do what the, what the Father has asked, he's secured our eternity. He's accomplished it all. So what you're going to, what we're, when we get into the wisdom, which we're going to get there here in about two minutes, okay? All that other was introduction. Because I want you to see the, the seriousness of what's happening here. The Father has vested this glorious purpose and plan in His Son. And since we are in Christ, we participate in everything the Father is going to accomplish through His Son. That's the wisdom. That's the righteousness. That's the sanctification. That's the redemption. He's doing something here. In these four areas of information, where and again, it's very important to catch. By the way, it's very really important to catch the dispensational setting, okay? Because this dispensational setting, the application of it there, this has never been said before, not even to Israel, by the way. You know, Israel was to be a kingdom of priests. Now, he is their wisdom, he is their righteousness, he is all of that, but never in a present possession like you and I have today. And there's this wisdom here. And Paul's point is in this fellowship that we have in in Christ, there is a realm of wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption that is available not only to the Corinthians in the moment, but to all during the dispensation of grace. So if you're looking for God via human wisdom, human tradition, human religion, human self-help, self-interest, you're wasting your time. And more importantly, you're wasting the fellowship that we have in Christ. You're wasting it. That's why Paul will tell you in Ephesians 5 to redeem the time. You need to be buying back that time as because the time is fleeting. James says your life is but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. And you're over here reading a self-help book trying to figure something out and God's Word sitting on the table saying, Hello, I'm right over here. I can help you. Oh, but Rick, they're so good. I didn't say they were bad. I didn't say they didn't have good illustrations or good helps. But that's not the first place you go. The first place you come and say, Okay, wait a minute. Here's who I am in Christ. And let's get there. I'm nothing against books. I got a I cleaned out the cupboards back there. I got 17 boxes of books and I got another 30 behind us. And then another 20 at home. <laughs> I enjoy books, but they have their place. They never override this. Say, rightly divided. Paul's point here. You need to understand if you're looking for God via the human entity out there, if you're looking for God outside of the, how God's revealing himself, you're wasting your time and you're wasting your fellowship. So you need to be careful. Now come down in chapter two again. Just we didn't look at this real quick. Verse 7, verse 6, I'm sorry. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Again, perfect they're mature. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, okay? Always when you read perfect, remember. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, okay? The perfect man, that the man of God may be perfect, comma, Thoroughly furnished unto all good work. So what is it to be perfect? It isn't to never mess up and never have a bad day. It's to be thoroughly furnished unto all good work. There's some maturity there. He says, verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God um, verse 6, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, and yet not in the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Had the satanic policy, had the sa- Satan and his cohorts knew about the hidden wisdom, and we're talking about wisdom now, wisdom. And the application, the dispensational. If Satan had known what God revealed through the Apostle Paul, what would he have not done? He wouldn't have went and did all the dirty work to get to, to crucify the Lord. Well, that's what you think, Rick? No, that's what the verse just said. See, this isn't about what I think. I think we ought to sell everything and just go fishing. No, okay, all right. Shopping, not fishing. Okay. All right. I I heard that. Okay. See, what did that verse say? The Word of God says that if Satan, the princes of this world, had known about the hidden wisdom, did they know about Calvary? Yes. They just didn't know what it meant. They didn't understand that full, rich, deep meaning of it. Now, look at chapter 3. Paul's point here is that fellowship that we have together in Christ, again, because God is faithful, is so spectacular. It's so radically splendid that if Satan had known it, he would not have crucified the Lord at all. He wouldn't have caused it to happen. So this wisdom issue is very critical. Now, in 2.6, he says, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. The wisdom is geared to be handled by who? Mature believers. Chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. The Corinthians were not mature believers. They had believe God they're saved yes but what are they doing they're moving away from the truth of God's word they're moving toward human wisdom and rationale so the Corinthians were not ready to move into the deeper doctrines and that's what Paul is after is I want you guys to come to a rich fuller deeper understanding and meaning and and all of the, everything and this issue of who you are in Christ but you you're not there yet I can't. Verse 2, I have fed you with milk. Now, think of, I have fed you with milk. He just called, chapter 2, verse 2, the crucifixion of Christ, Save among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He just called the cross milk. That's all that I can know is the milk. 3-2. Ah, for hith- and not with meat, for here- hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. I mean, the reason you guys are screwed up is you're not growing up. You didn't get out of Romans 1 to 5. Oh, but Rick, we're in 6, 7, and 8. No, you're not, because if-, if you were, your life changes. Over here, conduct changes. Everything changes. So when you come back to chapter 1, verse 3, 30, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, You see, Paul wants to move them into a deeper fellowship, a a deeper, fuller, richer understanding, and they just simply still need the basics, the ABCs. They can't get to the next level. So Paul says, okay, I'm not going to violate any ministry, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to get into that but I am going to correct why you can't. Why are you still carnal? Why are you still babes? Well, because you're lacking some wisdom. Now, verse 30, let's talk about wisdom here. We got 20 minutes or so for three hours worth of look. In what sense is Jesus Christ made unto us wisdom? So the question here is in what sense are these four? So God the Father has made His Son to be wisdom for us. He's made our wisdom. Now come over to Ephesians 3. And and, and it's in the sense that the Father is doing something through His Son. Wisdom and God have always been there. It isn't like all of a sudden God popped up and said, oh, I got all wisdom now. He's always had it. He's just now making it. He's made it. He's going to reveal it. You see, the father's doing something through his son, and what he's doing here is he's revealing the full scope, the full ramification of what the Godhead back in eternity past had decided, determined to do in and through his son. Now he's doing what? Now he's revealing that. He had kept it secret, a component. Now Now the full revelation is made known. Look at Ephesians three. and look at verse and this is why when you look at these four, the first thing is the dispensational application here. Ephesians three verse five. Which in other ages, so that'll reach back up to verse three. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, the end of verse 4, the mystery of Christ, verse 5, which in other ages, so the mystery of Christ in other ages, was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. By the way, verse 5 is very loaded. Paul says, verse 1, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, or how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. Who revealed the mystery to Paul? It wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Then in verse 5, he says, Now, because I've written some things down, verse 3 and 4, the Holy Spirit through the written word is going to do what? Reveal this on out to everybody else. Okay, it's critical to catch how things are working here. So the Holy Spirit doesn't reach over to Peter and whisper in Peter's ear, we're doing this now to DOG and all that. No, how did Peter, Peter went and had a meeting with Paul, then Peter later says, you got to read Paul's epistles, and then, again, read Paul's epistles. The written word, see, there's things are different. Verse 6. That here's what it here's what's revealed the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. The fellow heirs, the fellowship. He's placed us into an eternal fellowship. Because how? Because he made us what? Fellow heirs. The Father is revealing something about what He's going to accomplish through His Son. So He's made wisdom to who? To us. Christ is the very wisdom of God on display. Not only is He the power of God on display, but He's the wisdom of God. So the preaching of Christ of the cross, the preaching of Christ crucified, not only are you telling man you can't do nothing, Every, you can't you don't it's him and his activity you believe him that's all you can do you trust him Not, then he says okay also by the way he's now the wisdom of god on display and the adversary goes oh great wonderful Ooh, no he doesn't he ranks it up no you see the father has determined to make known today in the age of grace the riches of the full picture of his wisdom. Come back to chapter 1 of Ephesians. You see, God dwells in wisdom. You go back in Proverbs back there, and wisdom was with him since before the beginning. He had an eternal purpose. And you know what? We have the privilege of learning all that he's going to do. We have a privilege. And I hope you really enjoy that and 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 kind of get excited about the fact that you and I are the first people, God's people, to have a completed Bible. So we have what? We have it all. Moses didn't have it all. Joshua didn't have it all. Joseph didn't have it all. Ezra didn't have it all. Daniel didn't have it all. Malachi didn't have it all. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts don't have it. Luke doesn't have it all. Paul says I'm here I've fulfilled I got it all now you and I have it all. So what can we do? We can we can he's made unto us wisdom. Ephesians 1. If you look there at verse 8. Wherein he and that's God the Father hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. I love all how much wisdom do you and I have access to? All of it. So why aren't you? That's what Paul's getting at at Corinth. You're not because you're not there maturity-wise. You're still over here, back here. You need to... Why, why? If you have all of the wisdom of God made known to you, then why in the world are you messing with human wisdom? That's ultimately what he's going to get at with the Corinthians. Why are you over here in the self-help books and the trying to figure out how to get the God stuff away from how God tells you to get to him see why are you doing that and it's a maturity issue verse 9 having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself notice those abounding since day 1 God has already what? He's abounding this revelation, this secret. He's just abounding. It's, it's, he's made it known. By the way, if He's made known the mystery of His will, then there's no mystery of His will, is there? It's revealed. Well, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Well, yeah, you do. So you come over here and you look at it in the stars and then this and that, and God's Word says, No, dummy, I'm over here. I said it earlier. God's word, the word of God to you and I today says have a job and then you turn right around and said, well, God didn't want me to, I lost my job so God must not want me to go and do that. That is contradictory. If God said, I want you to have a job, why would he take, well, he's got a better job for me. Really? Then why didn't he put you in the better job to begin with? God wants me to drive a better car. So I need to have that. You know, whatever. Really? Well, then did he also want you to be in debt for seven years and, you know, $1,000 a month or whatever it is nowadays, you know? Oh, well, maybe not. Well, then maybe you ought not blame God. Because when God, when the tires wear out and you got to go down there to discount and put four tires on, well, you know, well, God will provide. Yeah, he just provided you a credit card bill. <laughs> see, see how, you know, we chuckle at it. But that's where you go. That's where you live in. Paul, he's, I guess, it's critical here. He's, abound, he's made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. You know what? This stuff is so important that it impacted eternity. And it, because of the impact in eternity, you know what he did? He hid some of it in himself. And he's now making it known. Because if he didn't hide the de- what the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ meant, what was, what did he say back there in 1 Corinthians 2? Satan and them wouldn't have crucified him. So he hid some of it. He had to. Now it's time to reveal the full scope, the deep meaning of what the Father is going to accomplish in his Son and in you and I in the heavenly places. Now he makes it known. The moment that Saul of Tarsus was converted on the road to Damascus, the most shocked creature in the universe was Satan because he knew that he had just, the thing he had did a year earlier is now his very undoing. He understood that. It wasn't Paul, Saul on the road to Damascus. It was Satan because now it's an all-man ministry and now here's the full scope and here's what it all means. Look down at verse 17, Ephesians 1:17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding and being light, and that ye may know what is the hope of His calling, not your calling, His calling, and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance, not your inheritance, His, where? In the saints. You see, here, by the way, you're going to know Him, the spirit of wisdom, you see that the father of glory, in, in, in 1 Corinthians one thirty-one, he says that no flesh may glory in his presence. Verse 31, that according as it is written, he that glorify, glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. How do you glory in the Lord? Woo, praise God. Woo-hoo. Yay, yay, yay. No, that just made you feel good. How do you glory? What does Ephesians 1.17 say? The Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and what? Revelation in the what? The knowledge of Him. You glorify God when you come to know Him deeper, fuller, richer. You see that? You don't glorify God by coming over here and doing a bunch. You just glorify by the knowledge of Him. Come over to chapter 3, Ephesians 3, verse number 10 to the intent that now, under the principalities and powers in heavenly places, might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Whose job is it to put on display the manifold wisdom of God? 310. It's the church's job. The local church and then the church at large. Now, the church at large isn't doing that. There's kumbaya in themselves. The local church better be doing it. That's our job. To the Corinthians and all of the, all of the stuff, all of the human intellect, it'll never lead you to understand God's eternal purpose that He has in you and in through His Son. Come over to Colossians two. You see, for, By the way, that three ten is very clear. What are we doing? We're manifesting the, wi- the manifold wisdom of God. Colossians 2. Colossians 2. Paul, again, his point here, and really with all of this, is the, um, the cross is the embodiment of the wisdom of God. It's the wisdom of God on display in the cross of Christ. And you and I participate in it. Again, identity, Romans 6, his co, that co-death, burial, and resurrection, that co-identity. When he died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried. When he rose, I rose. His death, boom, his resurrection, I have a newness of life. I have his life. All of that is the wisdom of God on display. He's made Christ our wisdom. Colossians 2, verse 14. And again, I'm, we're just jumping in. I just want you to keep blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. Took it out of the way. He took that nail, he took that law, that performance-based acceptance system, and he killed it. He nailed it to his cross. He said, That law is dead. I fulfilled all of it. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Who told you, Galatia, to go over there and resurrect the law, the very thing that I killed? I nailed it, Calvary. I nailed it. It's dead. You don't have to do it. And yet you resurrected it, and now you're over here trying to do it. Who bewitched you? The witch of Endor. Human wisdom does. Religion does. Well, that's just how we've always been taught. Well, I know. But let's get off of that right here. That whole system is dead. Verse 15, having spoiled, that's a term of war, principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. The power of the achievements of the cross looks over there and says, that is dead. I'm doing that. I'm doing this. You know, he never said that to Israel. He said, remember in Acts 10, Peter and the sheep? And it's got clean and unclean animals on it. And, and, and the angel of the Lord says, go eat. And Peter says, no. That's Acts 10. What's still on Peter's mind? The law. No. No. Then the angel of the Lord says, Peter, you don't call unclean what I now call clean. Why? That law is dead. And what you done know is you resurrect it because what does the law say? The law fulfills the lust of your flesh. You're human with I want to be in control. I I want it my way. why, why You know your babies why? You know what they're saying, right? Why? 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 My way. I want it my way. And if I don't get it my way, I'm gonna pitch my little fit. Me 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 me. You know. Then you call me, and I'm like, quit pitching your fit. And you're like, whoa, oh, you get mad at Rick. Okay, that's okay. The point is, is that's the power of the cross, the po- the achievement of the cross. See, it's being, re- it's, it's being, it reveals a very unique, specific body of wisdom, that was so radical, so size- seismic, caused a seismic shift, that the very. Adversary, if he had known, he would not have crucified. He didn't know. In verse 15, you know what the Lord says? I triumph in it. I love that. Openly triumphing over them in it. You know what he says every day of grace? He says, I won, you lose. I won, you lost. I'm a winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's all mine. Because what does Calvary do? It produces. It reveals the wisdom that God the Father has made Christ to be who? To be us. He's our wisdom. Uh, come back here in chapter 2 real quick. Come back up there to, to uh, verse, two, uh, verse 1. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them in Laodicea. For as many as have not seen my, flesh, my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be comforted being knit together. In love and under all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, in verse three, verse 2, you've got three mysteries listed. Mystery of God, mystery of the Father, and mystery of Christ. And then he says, verse 3, in whom are hid all the what? The treasures. What do you do with the treasure? You go digging for it, don't you? You go looking for it. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If he's made it known, then it's no longer, what, hidden. We've got to go get the treasure box open, i.e., the Word of God, and dig into it. So who do we go to then to, to dig into it, to get into it? Well, it's that fellowship that we have in Christ. Philippians chapter 3, you don't have to go there, time's up. Just real quick, Paul says, I want to know him more and more and more. The flesh, all that stuff and, and that I have, oh, you're in Colossians, look at Philippians 3. I know I said it, but you need to look at it just real quick. Philippians 3 verse 8 verse 7 but what things were gained to me those I counted loss for Christ Pat, by the way counted past tense it's all been done it doesn't raise its ugly head back up it's squashed that's the stuff there in verse 4 5 and 6 Yeah, knowing more. How do I do that? I get out of 1 Corinthians human wisdom and I get right over here into the word of God. So when you come back to 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 but of him are ye in Christ who of God is made unto us wisdom. The wisdom all it's that, that wisdom is all is that unique application of God's wisdom that was kept hidden but now revealed that specific realm of wisdom that embodies all the accomplishments of the cross, which is ultimately the revelation of the eternal purpose that God the Father has in His Son and all of those in His Son, whether they be in heaven or on the earth. Because through Paul, Israel then also learned some things about her own program because of Calvary. So when he says he's made unto us wisdom, the Corinthians were looking for wisdom in the wrong place. Paul's just bringing them up saying, you need to be over here. You guys are over there. You need to be over here. You're over there. You need to be here. And, he, and it's just crescendoing here and getting broader and broader. Okay? Again, we didn't go look at Colossians one, Ephesians four, great passages. He's made unto us wisdom. He's made, you and I, all that God intended to do in His Son. He's declared Him to be everything, ultimately. So stay out of this mess, human wisdom. Sorry, you guys on the side of the room. But okay, get over here in this, or get out of this human wisdom. And get over here in this. Okay. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your Word. We thank you for all that we have in Christ. In your name we pray, amen.